world full of fake news and untrustworthy and dubious baddies, how can we divide the fact from the downright lies? Well, for one, you can stop believing everything you read and stop and think every now and then. And for another, you can listen to Zombie Fishbowl Podcast, a podcast about random shit, with me, Danielle, and her, Melanie. We will tell you what to think. I mean, we will give you information we find helpful, and you can decide for yourself what is fact and what is bullshit. Hello, Melanie. Hello, Danielle. <laughs> <laughs> Happy days. Yeah. Welcome the, to the Corona Apocalypse, everyone. Yes, it is right smack dab in the middle of the coronavirus mania at the moment, at the time of recording. In the future, Uzzes will either be dead or laughing at how silly all of this was or something in between, because it's probably more likely something in between that. So, yeah, or we'll just be doing this amidst this outbreak for the next year or so you know we'll see we'll see how it goes yeah so i think we're pretty much going to condense the beginning of the show into uh, a little bit of a a third ping ping third third about what's going on right now because actually our topic is incredibly um topical (laughs) yeah yeah appropriate (laughs) extremely (laughs) it's made us both incredibly paranoid uh, well, I already have a bit of a paranoid nature anyway. Um, so, yeah, I mean, was it two, two, three weeks ago? Remember, you were calming, you were having to calm me down because my anxiety was so fucking bad about this whole thing. Um, and, you know, my rational brain is going, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. You know, it's, it's not that big a deal. But my gut was just all like, you should worry, bitch. Worry more. And, uh, Hey, guess what? I, I, I'm doing that. Well, worrying isn't really going to help, though, is it? No, it's not so much worrying, but, but uh, you know, recognizing the state of affairs for what it is and not being mindlessly optimistic. And that's what I'm seeing a lot of people doing out here, at least. Just like, oh, look, there's nobody at the mall. Let's go to the mall. Uh, there's nobody at the mall for a reason, lady person. <laughs> There's a a definite place that we can live in the middle of being completely ignorant to what's going on and being overly paranoid and uh, selfish and and things like that. Um, There's definitely somewhere to live in the middle. It's just difficult for the sensible people at the moment because other people are being so unsensible that they're creating issues for the sensible people who then have to join them in their insensibilities. Yeah, yeah. So it's dragging for example, everybody into the asshole pit because they've left us nowhere else to go. Yes. A uh, perfect example of that is everybody who's panic buying and yeah. bulk buying things that they don't need to bulk buy or mass um, hoard is creating situations where like people like you and I or people who are vulnerable elderly only get out every once in a while or whatever go to the shop and there's bugger all for them to buy because everybody's bulk bought I mean I just got back from the shop uh, about an hour ago uh, just doing my weekly grocery shop and I've had to um, you know there's a few things that I've not been able to get I'm not going to moan about that because in the big scheme of things the fact that I wasn't able to get eggs is not really a big deal but it still made me think 
am I going to, should I buy four tins of chopped tomatoes? Because... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I just need one box of Cheez-Its for my kids to have snacks, but should I buy two or three just in case? Yeah. No, no, just the one because they'll restock and I'm not an asshole. Yeah. You know, exactly. should I buy two things of this oatmeal that my daughter loves so much? No, just buy one because the shops will restock and it'll be okay. Yeah, <sighs> it's, it, there were announcements going on in the shopping um the store that I was in saying that there's no shortage of food or goods and that they are that it's usually 24 hours but they'll be closing from 11 p.m to 7 a.m for the foreseeable future for stocking and for um controlling the uh how often we come in contact with each other yeah and there's sort of assuring people like overnight everything will be restocked there's no shortage of anything but for the time being we have to limit you know, long life milk to two cartons per person and et cetera, et cetera. And you're going, yeah, because they've got a truck out back right now that has all the stuff in it. Yeah. There's no shortage. There's no reason to be doing this. Um, and what's going to happen here is they're going to be like a random economic um, surge in certain mm-hmm. products. And then it's just going to die out because nobody's going to need to buy any for months. I don't know how that's going to affect the economy. I'm not an economist, but surely this crazy sudden surge in purchasing is going to have some kind of knock-on Downtime. effect. Yeah. yeah. Something's got to give at some point, but I don't know. Maybe it's all a conspiracy to get us to all buy toilet paper. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> the whole COVID-19 is really just a, a, pl- a ploy by um, Scott's and Big Ronnie and, yeah, well, toilet paper and paper towel uh, companies. Yep. God damn it. This is why our topic is so relevant to the moment, because our topic this week is conspiracy theories. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it was very difficult to avoid conspiracy theories about this virus. Yes. Most of them racist. Most of them, you know, I will not repeat. Yeah. You know, some of them, literally, there there really is a a people thinking that this is a, how the toilet roll got (laughs) rolled into all of it is a conspiracy (laughs) theory. So, I mean, I'm not going to go into that one because it's... Well, I like the fact that there's a major, uh, like, pandemic or epidemic um, every election year. For yeah, us. I've seen that, but it's almost a confirmation bias, though, because oh, totally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because you can look for patterns like that in things, but you know, causation is not. Sorry, correlation is not causation. Not necessarily causation. Oh, you know what I'm trying to say. I know what you're saying. Correlation also, is not uh, necessarily causation. Quick side note: I have my children here because they don't have school. Right. Yeah. Of course. Um, yeah. So we're usually recording on Sundays, but um, I was underprepared. We were both exhausted. It was just not gonna work out for that day uh and usually when that happens we record on mondays and my kids are at school so it's like no big deal yeah but they're not at school for the foreseeable future they say only till the end of the week and there's no way that they're not going to extend that (sighs) so um if we get randomly interrupted if you hear squeals screams uh cackling or loud sounds that's it's either the apocalypse has has begun or my children need something (laughs) That's fine. We'll probably be welcome. They'll probably be welcome to make some kind of strange noises because 
I don't know. Well, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, uh, long story short, for our third, our thing purge purge thing ping bang, um, yeah, we're we're both just kind of like, huh, about yeah. this whole thing. <laughs> In a hinterland between being worried and being calm and trying to get on with our lives and also watching things over our shoulders and. Mm-hmm. It's a very odd place to be. For for me, it's like, I I wish the mall would close because I work in the mall. I mean, as, as many of our listeners know, and I would much prefer to not be interacting with that many people on a day-to-day basis. I'd much rather stay home with my kids working on their schoolwork and just avoiding people in general. Not that I'm poten- potentially uh, at risk, but I mean this shit evolves. There's, I, I don't, I don't want it. I don't want to potentially spread it. I just don't want to be part of the problem and I'd much rather be home. Yeah. It makes sense. I have stayed home from university today. Um, a lot of my, actually most of my lectures have gone electronic, uh, mm-hmm. over a certain amount of students in the class has meant that this, the lecture was canceled and it's gone electronic, but my lecture that I had today was not one of them it was a smaller class but and I usually work on a Monday afternoon as well but because I have the immune system of a toddler and I catch fucking everything and I always catch like the worst version of everything and I have this uncanny ability to I believe um carry things for ages Mm -hmm. before I actually start showing symptoms I know what I'm like I always get things at the tail end of everyone else like I've been incubating it and just when everybody else is getting over it I get sick it always Mm -hmm. happens but I've been carrying it and people around me have been getting sick and I've just not it's like I'm some kind of incubator for everyone and then by the time you get it you have the worst version of it because you're incubating it to its purest form (laughs) pretty much it's most intense (laughs) form yeah um, it evolved and also um, my university is quite renowned for being international university there's a lot of people that travel back and forth from Europe and from Asia and from America and from all over the place so I don't particularly want to be in places where there's lots of people it's like practically an airport yeah, yeah. Um, so I've I've opted to stay home um, and study from home not that you need to give like convince me too hard <laughs> it doesn't take too much of an argument oh yeah yeah got it i'm here i'm yeah no i'm gonna stay home bed <laughs> and we're like um, and we just got our tax return and on one hand it was like great we spent a huge chunk of it on this vacation at the end of the month to celebrate my son's birthday legoland is closed now we're getting our refund back so it's like when it comes to money lost at least for a little while we'll kind of be okay you know what I mean? Uh, so we'll we'll see how we'll see how it goes. I don't like it. Uh, I'm sorry. Let's fix it. Someone fix it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Shall we take a breath and then get into it? Yeah. 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 I think we we might even take two. There might be a pause in the middle of the podcast where we do another one. Yeah, we may just take uh, periodic breaths. <laughs> All right. On the count of one, on the count of three. One, two, three. My back popped in like three places. That's good. 
I noticed that you're wearing a Phantom of the Paradise shirt. I am. I'm glad you recognized it. It's my it's one of my pride and joys. I have two T-shirts that are like my favorite T-shirts ever. And this is my Phantom of the Paradise one with the with the dead bird. It says Death Records and my uh, Meet the Feebles T-shirt. Very cool. Two favorite T-shirts ever. Yeah, they are (laughs) cool. (laughs) They are cool T-shirts. All right, so let's just dive into this. Also, you want to know something fun? Sure. <laughs> Saturday night, in preparing for a recording on Sunday, which we canceled right as I like woke up to do more research, I'm all like, do we have to? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I apparently had fallen asleep on my computer and oh. deleted half of my notes. Oh. Yeah. So I apologize if my notes are a bit spotty. Oh, that's all right. I wouldn't worry too much. I did a little bit of like like copy paste this time around, but it should yeah. still be. Yeah. So, okay. So this week's topic is conspiracy theories, and there are far too many conspiracy theories um, for us to touch on all of them. There is so much information. There's so many um, sociological theories, psychology theories, um, and and like sort of you know, things to consider when it and when it comes to conspiracy theory and conspiracy thought processes. Yeah. That I can't possibly we can't possibly go into all of it. But so, you know, people write books on these for their entire careers. So if we don't touch on the bit that you were hoping that we would, I'm sorry, maybe just write in and let us know. Maybe we'll do a mini sode. There's a few yeah, I got a couple people uh sending me uh, conspiracy theories over the next couple of days so that I can do mini sodes on them. Yeah, cool, because I know that we have a couple that we'll probably mention in this podcast that are already on the list Mm -hmm. as uh, topics for their own episodes. So there's a possibility that the reason why we don't go into a particular conspiracy theory is because we've deemed it worthy of its own episode anyway. But this is just like a basic introduction to conspiracy theories, how they come about what kind of people believe in conspiracy theories, what it what it all means, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, this is basically an introduction, and uh, we'll hopefully have some fun facts for you guys yeah. as well. So I know that I have a list of fun ones that nice. I've, I've got as well, so, so that it's not totally serious from beginning to end. Uh, but let's start with the definition, I suppose. It's always a good place to start, eh? Yes. The Oxford English Dictionary defines conspiracy theory as the theory that an event or phenomenon occurs as a result of a conspiracy between interested parties. A belief that some covert but influential agency, typically political in motivation and oppressive in intent, is responsible for an unexplained event. A conspiracy theory is an explanation of an event or situation that invokes a conspiracy by sinister and powerful actors, often political in motivation, when other explanations are more probable. Uh, The term has a pejorative connotation, that's fancy, implying that the appeal for a conspiracy is based on prejudiced or insufficient evidence. But we'll get into that later because that's mm-hmm. not necessarily true. Conspiracy theories resist falsification and are reinforced by circular reason, also uh, confirmation bias. 
both evidence against both evidence. So the circular reason is circular reasoning is that both the evidence against a conspiracy and an absence of evidence for it are reinterpreted as evidence of its truth, mm-hmm. whereby the conspiracy becomes a matter of faith rather than something that can be proved or disproved. A conspiracy theory may take any matter as its subject, but certain subjects attract greater interest than others. Favoured subjects include famous deaths and assassinations, morally dubious governments, suppressed technologies and false flag terrorism. Yeah. Research suggests that conspiracist ideation, that is the belief in conspiracy theories, can be psychologically harmful or pathological, and that is highly correlated with psychological projection, paranoia, and Machiavellianism. Conspiracy theories, once limited to fringe audiences, have become commonplace in mass media, emerging as a cultural phenomenon of the late 20th and early 21st centuries. I disagree with that statement. We will get into that later also. Yeah, it's, it's been disagreed in many places. Yes, it, like, yeah, we can just put that to rest right now. Conspiracy theories have always been a thing, baby, mm-hmm. always. So I coveted, coveted, I added to that statement after writing, like, copy-pasting it, um, that said, theories involving multiple conspirators that are proven to be correct, such as the Watergate scandal, are usually referred to as investigative journalism or historical analysis rather than conspiracy theory. But by contrast, the term Watergate conspiracy theory is used to refer to a variety of hypotheses in which those convicted in the conspiracy were in fact the victims of a deeper conspiracy. Also, talk to any activist who went to a no phones meeting before it was revealed that the NSA can turn on your device to remotely listen to your conversations. Oh, and remember that people claiming in 2011 that Facebook was conducting psychological experiments on them, both of which turned out to be true. So let's not always, let's not be so quick to judge. So that's the sort of, crash background into conspiracy theories i doubt that anybody listening doesn't know what a conspiracy theory is or yeah. uh, and and know at least one conspiracy theory everybody knows i think that the conspiracy theories around um that jfk was assassinated with the cia mm-hmm. elvis presley faked his own death um tupac still alive um 9-11 was an inside job which yeah. I have stats on later. We've all heard these. There are people that study conspiracy theories and conspiracy thought. I, the, the, I, it's called conspiracist ideation. It's the, the kind of mind that believes in conspiracy theories. And they've come up with like different types of conspiracy theories and stuff like that. So yeah. it's very heavily... Um, Researched. Re- yeah, it's got it's got, you know, it's its own genre of psychology and sociology and um funnily enough um economists study uh uh, conspiracy theories yeah i wonder why yeah i know right i think it's probably to see if there's any correlation in patterns between the economy and then the prevalence of conspiracy theories because it's so dominated by government um, Don't get logical age. here. No, it's because the economists want to control us with conspiracy theories. 
and uh, <laughs> yeah, George Soros. Do you want me to go into the different types of conspiracy theories? Yeah. Cool. And All then right, I can so... go into why we believe conspiracy theories later, if you're interested. Sure. Cool. Yeah, definitely. I read I read more than I wrote notes about, so I should be able to con- have a conversation about what you're talking about without like yeah so i did i did read quite a few articles that didn't make it into my notes which is why we're both like eye twitchingly paranoid at the moment because i think we both went down rabbit holes (laughs) we went down some rabbit holes oh god right anyway um there are different types of conspiracy theories the first guy jesse walker who is the writer of the united states of paranoia a conspiracy theory from 2013 has identified five different kinds of conspiracy theories one the enemy outside refers to theories based on figures alleged to be scheming against a community from without two the enemy within finds the conspirators lurking inside the nation indistinguishable from ordinary citizens three the enemy above involves powerful people manipulating events for their own gain Four, the enemy below features the lower classes working to overturn the social order. And five, the nice one, the benevolent conspiracies, which are angelic forces that work behind the scenes to improve the world and help other people. We need more of those. Yes, please. There are also other people that have divided up different types of conspiracy theories. We've got Michael Barkun, who is an academic and professor of political science at Syracuse University and the author of a number of books on the subject, including... Oh, no, I didn't write any of his books. (laughs) He's identified three classifications of conspiracy theories. So the above were five types, and then these are three classifications which is basically the same thing. One, event conspiracy theories. This refers to limited and well-defined events. Examples may include such conspiracy theories as those concerning the Kennedy assassination, 9-11, and the spread of AIDS, which, if you didn't know, apparently the government did. Apparently. Totally. Yeah, totally. Two, systemic conspiracy theories. The conspiracy is believed to have broad goals, usually conceived as securing control of a country, a region, or even the entire world. The goals are sweeping, whilst the conspiratorial machinery is generally simple. A single evil organization implements a plan to infiltrate and subvert existing institutions. Mm -hmm. Right? That's easy enough. Uh, This scenario is common in conspiracy theories and it focuses on like, let's say, for example, Freemasons, communism, the church, etc. And the third uh, classification of conspiracy theory is the super conspiracy theory. Uh, This links to multiple alleged conspiracies together hierarchically. And at the summit is a distant but all-powerful evil force. Uh, for example, the ideas of David Icke, which is the lizard people. Lizard people. <laughs> which is, I assure you, David Icke is on our list as its own episode topic. Oh, boy. Yeah, so there will be a David Icke episode at some point in the future. Because there's no way we can talk about David Icke's theory without 
like yeah, going, you, you can't just throw that into like a five minute blurb there's no. there's so much fun to be had with that um right so like just just on top of that there's the murray rothbard shallow versus deep conspiracy theories oh yeah 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 so this is a little bit trickier to get your head around but i'll it's not too bad, but let me just put it this way. So he's Murray Rothbard is an econ, um, economist and political theorist. He's also incredibly intelligent, which is why this doesn't very <laughs> it doesn't simplify very easily. Yeah. So he argues in favor of a model that contrasts deep conspiracy theories to shallow ones. According to Murray Rothbard, a shallow theorist observes an event and asks. Um, who benefits jumping to the conclusion that the beneficiary is responsible for covertly influencing events yeah right so that's shallow so they just basically go so who would benefit from this thing happening they must have been the one that made it happen toilet paper companies (laughs) exactly yeah yeah good uh deep conspiracy theorists begin with a hunch and then seek out evidence so it works backwards. So what would be an example of that one? Um, I think that I'm being controlled by some kind of mind control uh, machine, right? So I've started with my my fear, and then I'm going to go and find evidence that supports the fact that I might be um, under mind control. Uh, Rothbard describes the latter, the like the deep conspiracy theory um, as a matter of confirming with certain facts one's initial paranoia. So it's like seeking out confirmation of your fear. Yeah. So a shallow uh, one is one where you don't even need evidence to really just sort of go with it. And a deeper one is where you can actually collect a whole bunch of evidence, regardless of how, you know, it really works in the real world but can can confirm your your fear or or paranoia yeah and ignore the rest yeah so i think that i'm being controlled by the government and then i'm just going to pick up all of the things that make me that confirm that fact and ignore all of the things that i have independent thought or whatever and then the shallow one is that i've seen something happen and i'm therefore going to conclude that whoever benefited from that thing happening is the person responsible for mm-hmm. it happening so it's kind of like one like shallow in both instances uh there's some sense of control like somebody's controlling what's happening like nothing's just random yeah. And I think we'll probably get into that a little bit later, because if you're talking about people's beliefs in uh, like why we believe in conspiracy theories, the, the idea of control is a big part of it. On that point, actually, um, humanistic psychologists. So do you, do you know what a humanist is? Uh, yes. Okay. A bit. Yeah. So humanism is a sort of anti-religion religion. Yeah. that just sort of believes in being a good person and uh, doing good deeds and following a scientific and logical uh, ethos. Yeah. Um, so humanistic psychologists would be people that are psychologists but um, define themselves as humanists, which means that they're atheist um, 
generally atheist and 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 don't believe in sort of spiritual or metaphysical things they're they're basing it specifically on science and on um um oh but but uh anyway without getting too sidetracked basically that's that's sort of a basic definition but they um argue that even if a group behind an alleged conspiracy is almost always perceived as hostile there often remains an element of reassurance for the believers this is because it is a constellation to imagine that difficulties in human affairs are created by humans and remain within human control if there is a group that can be implicated there may be a hope of breaking its power or of joining it Belief in the power of some shadowy organization is an affirmation of human dignity and that man is responsible for his own destiny. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's nothing random going on. It's all controlled by man and their, whether they are good or evil, basically. Yeah. (sighs) (sighs) (laughs) So... I think that's a good place for you to come in and tell me why the fuck do people believe in conspiracy theories, Melanie? All right. Well, there are literally like 200 different potential explanations as to why humans believe in conspiracy theories. So I got a few of them. This is not all of them, but these are a few of the strongest theories that I've found. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the ones that almost any basic psychologist will tell you, somebody that doesn't specifically dive into conspiracy theories as a uh, as a topic of research, but just in, in their studies of psychology, they will tell you that some people believe that if you live through or experience a large or traumatic event like a 9-11 or this assassination of a political, uh, a beloved political or social figure, the human na- mind needs a place to place grief, rage, uncertainty, um, because it's just so much bigger than them. It's not directly in their life but it's it's such a huge it's such a huge thing that they can't quite grieve in the same way as you would for a loved one within your own family or a car accident it's just different whatever the event was it can't be as simple as a car crash or some terrorists it's got to be deeper because it feels so much bigger than what you're telling me and that's sort of why the brain will go to conspiracy theories because that's the best place for them to put that extreme version of their emotion so that's what most basic psychologists will tell you i would imagine you have to be predisposed to that already in terms of sort of your average person isn't going not average that's the wrong word but not everybody's going to react that way because no you know most people i think could hear about an assassination or an event and take it at face value yeah um however but but, i mean if you were so deeply entrenched in this thing or you felt yeah you you just psychologically a little bit more prone to feeling the gravity of an event you may find yourself displacing that into a conspiracy theory right 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 right. i read a great paper called conspiracy theories evolved functions and psychological mechanisms by jean william van prusen and mark van vucht um i believe they're they're uh, in amsterdam and they really go into the why and how of it so their page was about 20 their paper was about 20 pages long i i only took a couple bits and bobs out of it uh but it's really a great read and super worth reading uh, i found it really fascinating and they they are very uh what's the word layman friendly okay 
So a conspiracy theory consists of one or more elements usually. A pattern, intentionality or agency, a coalition or group of actors, a threat and secrecy. So one of their theories was the byproduct hypothesis. In evolving, the human race developed many adaptations to survive, but some of the things we walked away with were byproducts of the adaptations. Like example, we adapted an umbilical cord in order to feed nutrients to the fetus in our body, right? The byproduct of that was a belly button, which serves no purpose after that. So it's thought that conspiracy theories are byproduct beliefs. Uh, and I quote here, recall that conspiracy theories contain several key components, such as pattern recognition, agency detection, and threat management. When assessed separately, each of these mechanisms has broader functionality than conspiracy detection. They're, they're useful things to have. Jointly, however, as byproducts, they may, may cause humans to be susceptible to conspiracy theories. Another theory is the illusory pattern perception. This is one I quite liked. The human mind is geared to find patterns, right? Mm -hmm. Just is. This is how we learn and grow. It aids us in understanding cause and effect. But some people are a bit more prone to this illusory pattern perception uh, thing, which is basically seeing a pattern in randomness and assuming meaning to it. Example, flip a coin three times and uh, they all come up heads. The average person, you ask them, you know, what's going to happen next? Most of us will go, well, it's 50-50 chance. Doesn't matter. Screw it. Heads or tails. There's no real thought to a pattern there. But if you're a little bit more prone to illusory pattern perception, you're going to say tails because there is no way that it would be heads again. That would be crazy. That's That would mean something. Mm. Right. So yeah, those who are a little bit more prone to that sort of thinking are going to be the ones that are more prone to believing in conspiracy theories. There's also a theory that if you overproduce dopamine, uh, those who overproduce dopamine are a little bit more prone to believing in conspiracy theories. Dopamine causes anxiety. It causes that sort of paranoia. In, moder in moderation, it helps us function. But if you overproduce it, it does make you a little bit more prone to being paranoid. Okay. Another one is adaptive conspiracism hypothesis. This is the thought that we've adapted, that we adapted. Uh, we believed this need to recognize conspirators from our time as primitives. So uh, here I quote, the adaptive conspiracism hypothesis asserts that the human tendency to believe conspiracy theories is not a byproduct of A, a large neocortex that is capable of sophisticated reasoning, or B, psychological mechanisms such as pattern recognition and agency detection. Um, instead, conspiracy theories uniquely helped ancestral humans to navigate our social world better and to anticipate and overcome imminent dangers in their environment. In an environment such as coalitional violence, that is like more like tribal violence, or violence committed by actual conspirators occurring, occurring both within and without our group was a common cause of death and reproductive loss in uh, hunter-gatherer sort of times. It may have been adaptive for people to be suspicious of the possibility that other people were forming malevolent conspiracies against them or their group. Detecting and possibly over-recognizing secret conspiracies before they strike may motivate a suite of emotional and behavioral, res behavioral responses to mitigate such threats. So like taking defensive actions um, or offensive actions where a conspiracy may or may not be. It's basically like sort of worst case scenario thinking. 
Yes. There's, a, I mean, there's another one that's like this, this better safe than th- sorry mechanism that we have innately in our brains. Mm. Um, we were just sort of geared, like if you're walking in a forest and you see uh, a snake, you will move to avoid it, right? You will be cautious of it. And then as you approach it, oh my God, it was a stick the whole time. Oh, I feel so silly, right? <laughs> but it was better safe than sorry. Much better than walking through the forest, seeing a stick, thinking nothing of it, and then walk straight onto a snake, get bit, and die. Yeah, those were the ones that died. The ones that survived were the ones that avoided the stick, even though it was a stick and not a snake. Yeah. Exactly. Well, sorry, the ones that survived are the ones that did that every time, and then one out of every ten, it was a snake. Exactly. Yeah. So... Those those are kind of what I found on the how and why. I mean, in, in a lot of it, it makes sense. There's just there's so many innate responses in the human, in just the way that we function. That is conspiracy theories was just sort of something that would was going to happen to us. Paranoia yeah. is just part of who we are. Yeah, <laughs> to it's a just the extent. manifestation of that paranoia varies from person to person, and I think it is probably directly linked to their um, IQ. So mm-hmm. I think, well, see, it's different types of conspiracy theories for different types of people. Because I will say this, I think everybody believes in at least one conspiracy theory. And by the way, everybody has the capacity Absolutely. to believe in conspiracy theories. And we should do. But I will get that. Uh, I will get into that in a little bit when we do something fun in a minute. I'm going to do something fun in a minute. But I think that the type of conspiracy theories that you believe in and in the way in which you believe it, like, does directly correlate with how knowledgeable you are about the subject i shouldn't say iq that's the wrong way of putting it knowledgeable about the subject so if you don't know very much about something um you're more likely to believe a conspiracy theory about that thing if you know a lot about that something oh melanie's making a face do you disagree have you ever had an argument with a conspiracy theorist um argument no but discussion, I've, debate. I've, I've encountered them in the wild yes <laughs> proper uh, proper theorists yeah a a proper conspiracy conspiracy theorist somebody who really believes in this conspiracy will have more information on it than any other fucking person i think yeah i know i know what yeah I, you know what I mean? Yeah, That's I why circular arguments with the conspiracy theorist are so goddamn maddening because they have so much information and any information that you may have that may counter or, you know, disprove what they're believing, it only acts as they already know that. They already know what argument you're going to make because they've already taken it into consideration because it just proves their theory more, that whole circular argument thing. Yeah, but sorry, then, I was going to say, I, I mentioned that earlier, the circuit, yeah, any evidence contrary has already been established as some yeah, kind and of... Yeah, and they already know. They already know every little argument you're going to have because they know that what they believe is so crazy that that just goes over the average person's head. I guess what I mean I'm trying to say is that they don't have insider information. Like, they're not a part of it. So they're completely out of control. They have absolutely no... Um, input into the the actual mechanisms themselves do you know know what i mean like they're not a part of it yeah yeah yeah. hi there danielle here just to let you know that there was a small tiny two foot tall possibly three foot tall interruption 
and uh, we got a little bit sidetracked and then had to come back to the subject. And so this edit is very, very dirty, but that's okay. You don't mind, right? Okay. Back to the podcast. I can't remember what we were talking about. Okay. I think I was I think I was uh, talking myself into a hole which I want to desperately get out of. <laughs> um, I what I was trying to say is that there's a very strong argument about people that believe in conspiracy theories are people that have and feel like they don't have control over their own lives and that actually like I feel very sympathetic to those people because they don't feel like they've got agency over their own uh, destiny. And that mm. there's always something controlling them or there's always some other force that is manipulating them. And um, I mean, that's just like deep rooted paranoia. But, yeah. you know, I mean, I I feel sometimes like I don't have control over parts of my life. And I'd love to kind of blame shadow governments and things like that. And to be honest with you, like, I don't trust governments. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty logical-minded. I just, I think that, how can, but though, how can I simultaneously believe that being, we're being governed by idiots, and then also at the same time that there's some kind of organization of shadow governments that are, like, manipulating the media and all that stuff. Like, how can I, they can't be stupid and incredibly organized at the same time, can they? Well, I mean... You know, not not to get too political, but like I think George Bush is kind of a good example of that. You know, he was he himself was was smart in some ways, but for most part, pretty dim. Don't be but yeah. everyone that he had underneath him was super sharp, like mm. painfully, frighteningly sharp, and evil and manipulative. Mm. You know what I mean? And also, I mean, at least in our case over here, everybody who works in our government hasn't been living like an average person for most of their lives. So they have real, no real concept of what it is to work a nine to five for minimum wage. So they can just assume what's best for people based on what they know um, and try to manipulate the markets and, and the, the, the events of our country to the best of their knowledge, which is no longer relevant to the rest of the country. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. 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 I just I feel like lots and lots of people have have believe in conspiracy theories. Apparently, according to a 2013 poll, as many as 12 million Americans believed in David Icke's um, lizard people conspiracy theory. 12 million people. 21 million people believed the moon landing was fake. Yeah. And 116 million people think that climate change is a hoax. That's a fuck ton of people. Yeah, yeah. I was telling Tim, I'm all, if you knew how many people believe that the Earth is flat, you would just want to set fire. Yeah. I avoided flat earthers because they are so. They're not just conspiracy theorists, they're fucking stupid. So it's so like anti vaxxers so as well. I'm sorry. Knowing a nod. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm sorry that if you are an anti vaxxer and you listen to this, I don't give a shit if you stop listening. Yeah, you know what? I don't feel bad about it because no. you're you're a piece of just, shit. You're awful. Yeah. You're awful. Sorry, guys. Bye. You could probably be a wonderful person, but if you are an anti-vaxer, you are just so fundamentally broken.
Like, bye. Uh, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, so now on that depressing note, do you want some weird conspiracy theories to laugh at? Lay it on me, baby. Okay. Uh, caveat, don't laugh at all conspiracy theories, but I'll get into that later. But these ones are worthy of laughter. Are you ready? All right. Bring on the weird. Okay. So, I don't know if you know this comedian, but his name's Nish Kumar, and he's really quite popular over here at the moment, but we've been following him for a while, and we love him. Yeah. He is really into conspiracy theories. And he did a video of his favorite weird conspiracy theories, and this is the list, and I want you to see if you can determine which one I made up. All right. From his list of weird ones, okay? All right. Number one, dinosaurs built the pyramids. Nice. (laughs) Do you think that's real? Or do you think that that is the one I made up? I believe that that is probably a real conspiracy theory. Ding, ding, ding. Absolutely correct. There is a conspiracy theory that dinosaurs built the pyramids, that dinosaurs were employed by the ancient Egyptians, sort of like Flintstones, I guess, to build pyramids. And that's how they made them so big. Nice. (laughs) Number two, I think this one was a bit more obvious. Hitler lives on the moon. Oh yeah, that's a real conspiracy theory, for sure. That's a real conspiracy theory. Apparently after World War II, Hitler and a bunch of Nazis fled to the <laughs> fled to the moon using steam-powered um, spaceships. And they live Woo-hoo. in an underground bunker on the moon to this day. <laughs> Number three. The Beatles were an undercover group of MI5 agents sent to America to encourage American youth to do drugs because the Queen is an international drug dealer. Well, I've heard the conspiracy theory that, yeah, the uh, the Beatles were a government ploy to distract Americans, but because the Queen's a drug dealer. Hmm. She wouldn't need to be, though. I'm going to believe that that's a real one. Yeah, it's real. Apparently... Nice. It is a part of the the Beatles are more than what they seem conspiracy theory. One of the ideas is that they were there to um, make drugs cool so that the Queen could start selling drugs in America. (laughs) (laughs) Number four, the Chinese government has sent agents to deliberately drive slowly on UK roads to increase our traffic and decrease our productivity. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, that's so awful. I can't imagine you would make up one that awful. I'm going to say it's a real one. Yeah, it's a real one. You know me too well. I'm not going to make up a racist one, am I? No. (laughs) Number five, Barack Obama can control the weather. I thought I heard that one. I'm going to say that's a real one. It is real. Barack Obama apparently can control the weather. It is unclear whether that was a power that the President of the United States has or just Barack Obama. Thanks, Obama. Yeah, seriously. Number six, Stephen King killed John Lennon. Oh, see, I got that one. Oh, you got got, it? (laughs) I've got details on that one. Really? Because I thought it was based solely on the fact that they look kind of similar, the guy that actually did it and Stephen King. Oh, I got details. Okay, right. At the end of my list, you're going to have to go into it. Uh, Number seven, the earth is a big, empty, hollow ball. Hmm. I can see people believing in that one. Uh, Is it a real one? Huh? 
Hollow Earthers. Hollow Earthers, yeah. I'm going to say that's a real one. Yep, it's real. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Hollow Earthers are, are, are a thing. Apparently there's only just this crusty mantle and then in the middle it's just one big vast empty space. Oh boy. I know you'll know this one. So, but still. Number eight, the Denver airport is the most evil place in the world. Yes. <laughs> I'd lo- I read a lot about Denver airport while we were preparing for this and somebody has actually requested that that be a topic. So I definitely think we should do a mini-sode on Denver airport. Oh, okay. Yeah, for sure. So for just the purpose of this uh, list this this episode apparently Denver airport has loads of um, evil symbology and um, there's like an underground bunker on, and yeah. a whole underground city actually and uh, it was built to resemble a swastika there's loads of stuff nice yes Minnesota on D- Denver yes yeah we'll do a Denver airport Minnesota later in the week Right, number nine. Saddam Hussein owned a Stargate and he was going to use alien weapons to destroy the world. And this is the real reason we had to go to war in Iraq. I'm going to hope that you made that one up. I wish I was that clever. It's real. (laughs) Saddam Hussein, the owner of a Stargate, is a real conspiracy theory. Nice. Wow. I mean, there's two leaps of logic having to happen there before we even get to it's just that the thing the the believing that stargates are a real thing yeah and then believing that saddam hussein had one and that then believing that alien weapons were on the other side of the of the stargate and that we knew about it and that's why we went to war in iraq yeah yeah there's, man. A, lot, there's a lot going on there there's a lot to unpack there <laughs> I mean, but if Stargates were real, I'm sure Sudan Hussein would have had one. I mean, possibly. (laughs) (laughs) But Stargates would have to be real and not a um, science fiction. Yeah, way to go with like a really specific like TV show concept. I know, seriously. So weird. (laughs) It's genuinely like, oh, I don't know. Um, right, so here's another one. Dinosaurs did not go extinct. They just they escaped into space where aliens taught them how to disguise themselves as humans. They have since returned to Earth and taken control of the media, which they used to propagate rumors about climate change. That's lizard people. That's right? the lizard people. That's David Icke. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Simplified. Thanks. I love the way that um, Nish Kumar explains conspiracy theories. It's good. <laughs> Okay, and the last one. Conspiracy theories are conspiracy theories. Right, so this one is, when the public needs to be distracted, manipulated, or if the truth is ready to be outed, they release a new conspiracy theory. Maybe even the truth itself into the popular culture in order that it is automatically mocked and, mocked and disregarded as lunatic or paranoid. The, this would mean a number of very popular, widely known uh, conspiracy theories are in fact the truth and we are too busy mocking it to realize that it is the truth um, these are all managed by the Freemasons, a lizard elite and aliens in a secret bunker buried under the Great Pyramid of Giza nice well it sounds so 
It sounds like a perfect conspiracy theory, so I think you made that one up. Yeah, that one's the one that I made up. <laughs> but, but, but the message that I'm trying to send is that we shouldn't always mock conspiracy theories. Yeah. Because that in itself is very dangerous. It stops people from exposing um, real conspiracies and whistleblowing because they're worried people will think they're fucking crazy. It dumbs us down, stalls critical thinking, and remember that conspiracies do actually happen. If we don't stop and think every once in a while, we are vulnerable to abuse and manipulation. Also, we should not knee-jerk react to things we hear because they do not align with our point of view. Quote, just because you're paranoid don't mean they're not after you. So I made up the bit about this is all managed by the Freemasons and the lizards in the secret bunker on the Pyramid of Giza. But it's very, very likely that the filtration of news stories into our media is very, very heavily regulated and controlled. So just be very very cautious about what you read and what you believe and that's my message to everyone however do not believe in bullshit things without any kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. some kind of proof <laughs> but they can give you proof man they can they can really just deliver 50 million facts to back up they're crazy that's why conspiracy theories are so such a pain in the ass. Yeah. And you'll right. never win because as soon as people start, as soon as you start saying, yeah, but, and they'll be like, yeah, because you're brainwashed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what they want you to think. Yes. George it's Soros. like the whole sort of idea that we shouldn't trust experts anymore because apparently experts and scientists are all in cahoots to, yeah. you know. I remember signing up for the the super secret plan when I became an archaeologist that I was going to manipulate the past in so that everyone would think a very particular way. I remember signing that contract. And They're going to have to kill you now. You I know, it's that. for, oh, well, you know, it's no big secret that we <laughs> archaeologists are responsible for so many conspiracies. Anyway. <laughs> nice. Alright, um, so you covered actually like one or two of mine that I had on my list. I didn't have as many as you do. Bastard. Sorry, uh, I found a video. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a little bit of a cheat. Thanks, Nish. <laughs> so yeah, I have a, I got a whole thing on uh, why Steve, uh, was it? Yeah, Stephen King, uh, Killed John Lennon. So, <laughs> go go tell me tell me how these people think. Okay, so Stephen King killed John Lennon. A conspiracy theory developed by Stephen Lightfoot. And this I've taken directly from his page, so that you can get all of the facts, because these are facts, people. The clues are in the bold print headlines of Time, Newsweek, and U.S. News and World Report magazines that were printed shortly before, during, and after December 8, 1980. These codes read as follows. Thinking about John Lennon, Johnny comes marching home. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang, ouch, ouch. The job Richard Nixon really wanted, blasting the opposition, 
America needs a poet laureate. Maybe. Heeding these subtle signs. Magazine maze. All the president's magazines. These codes include the killer's faces and true identity printed three and two months before the crime, replete with headlines describing the then-yet-to-come crime scene. One big Zippo lighter. Perils of pyrokinesis. Pyrokinesis means fire and movement. And a man at night with a gun ablaze, crouched in a raincoat, looks like a great big cigarette lighter. Subtle but dramatic codes. Contrary to all reports about a lone drifter named Mark David Chapman who allegedly shot John Lennon in the back December 8, 1980, you will find ample evidence in the back issues of Time, Newsweek, U.S. News, and World Report magazines to, support, uh, to suggest otherwise. Namely, that John Lennon was not only politically assassinated, but that Richard Nixon, Ronald Reagan, and you'd better sit down, horror novelist Stephen King, are the three people who can be proven guilty of the crime. King, being the real murderer, and Chapman, but a lookalike, paid actor, misleading you with an absolute hoax, the media in tow. The evidence, specifically, is government codes in the bold print headlines. Uh, hints in the headlines that you won't find anywhere else that plug into John Lennon's assassination with up to 70% frequency at times. These government codes, which read like gallows humor. These crypto codes include Mark David Chapman, the alleged name of the killer printed three weeks before the murder, where Chapman writes that is armed upon waiting to be moved into a hostile square by the giant hand of Ronald Reagan. These government codes include a dramatic photo of just elected Ronald Reagan sitting next to Richard Nixon's book, The Real War, in time and Newsweek issues released the day of the murder. In time, the bold headline above Reagan reads, uh, above Reagan reads who's in, who's out, and below, fitting together the pieces of a complicated jigsaw puzzle. That Richard Nixon tried to deport John Lennon in the 70s is a known fact. John's peace activism and lyrical barbs at Tricky Dicky and his perhaps unparalleled worldwide appeal made John a target. Well inside the real war, several pages explain why the prancing of the trendies, rock stars, beautiful people of New York who say war is bad and peace is good must be removed from the stage of public debate, but whatever means, a flyswatter are needed. He even titles his philosophy the Nixon Doctrine. Translation, Reagan's in. Lennon's out. In fact, the real John Lennon and the real Richard Nixon are two codes that precede the crime. Last but certainly not least, according to identical matching photos of Stephen King attached to a book reviews about Firestarter, months before the assassination, the man photographed getting Lennon's autograph hours before he was killed is not Mark Chapman, like we were all told. Chapman's glasses are the wrong prescription. His features are more centrally boxed in the middle of his face, and his hair is the wrong texture, as well as the fact that the killer has dimples that Chapman does not. Only Stephen King's features exactly trace the proportions of the autograph hound, Chapman, is a lookalike actor. This was the last coded evidence puzzle piece that I found, not knowing who Stephen King was. This was back in 1982, my first clues being the who's in, who's out, headlines above Reagan's, Reagan months earlier. I turned to my library, then utterly convinced that the government had killed John Lennon based on the news clipping that appeared in, the, in June of 1982, a year and a half after the crime, where Chapman pleaded guilty two days before his trial was sentenced to 20 years to life. Buried in a tiny corner of the back section, I knew a cover-up cover was at work. It was several weeks later, while trying to find magazines that carried the murder report, that I literally stumbled upon these codes. Now I was confronted months later with who actually pulled the trigger. Famous author Stephen King? Too much to believe? Beyond comprehension? Above all our heads? Is Nixon that tricky? Well, buckle up, good readers. Stephen King writes about it all in the beginning of Salem's Lot, five years before the crime, where he writes about shooting a man 
in the shoulder blades, stalking a politician with a gun in the dead zone. Johnny being the main character, he even writes about, quote unquote, the fellow who killed John Lennon in, I believe, three books. He practically confesses in 1983 Playboy interview. He has even admitted to me in his own handwriting that, quote, I haven't got the whole story yet. And in a subsequent letter signed Stephen King, he throws in a veiled bribe if I'd quit exposing this. So, yeah, totally. Stephen oh King. Oh, my God. That person is either brilliant <laughs> and is stringing us all along on this amazing <laughs> contrived idea. That was amazing writing. I was right? like, mesmerized by that. <laughs> so I can only conclude that that person's all either brilliant and it, it is it is just a big hoax yeah. and a brilliant one at that, mocking the idea of conspiracy theory, or that person is schizophrenic. Yeah, no, he's he's crazy. He was even like brought into a court and he was like had pictures and signs. He decorated his van. Uh, a couple times, a couple vans with just like Stephen King John Le- killed John Lennon uh, uh, graffiti. It was just completely crazy. I can't even, I was trying to look and see if um, it fit into any of our, you know, like I said, the types, categories in shallow versus deep before. And I was trying to work out what this one particularly, what this one um, fits into. And the answer is all of them. So yeah. that doesn't really help because... First, he has an idea that then he goes and finds the evidence for, which is a deep conspiracy theory. Sorry, a shallow conspiracy theory, because he sort of asks who benefited from John Lennon's death. And then the next one was that he came up with the hunch and then sought out the evidence for it, which is a deep conspiracy theory. It is all an event conspiracy theory a systemic conspiracy theory and a super conspiracy because it involves levels a hierarchy of conspirators it involves a system of machinery that is for subverting the public and it is a specific event so it's all Mm -hmm. three all three categories and it's the enemy outside, the enemy within, the enemy above, and the enemy below. <laughs> the only thing it's not is the bene- benevolent conspiracy. Yeah. <sighs> it's like perfect, right? It's, it is. That's why I feel like it's got to be a brilliant ruse. <laughs> it's too perfect. It's too perfect, yeah. <laughs> Has Stephen King ever made a comment about it? I don't know. I really should have looked into that. <laughs> that is absolutely mental. Thanks for that. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm glad that you read it the way that you did because it just reminded me like I was listening to uh, a conspiracy theory radio. I know you did that on purpose. Yes. But um, I was definitely listening to what's his name. Um, I was imagining you as Dr. Oh God, what's his name? From Twin Peaks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, God! I can't remember his name right now. He wears the half blue, half red glasses. Jacoby. Uh, <laughs> Jacoby. So you're definitely in your um, in your basement shoveling shit with gold shovels. Yeah. <laughs> Shovel yourself out of the shit. Sorry, people that don't watch Twin Peaks. <laughs> you you're should. You're missing out. Yeah. You should. Even Melanie, who doesn't really like David Lynch, do you? 
No, I, I actively am not a fan. Well, okay, no. I appreciate Stephen Lynch. I, I, I sorry, Stephen. I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate him. I really do. I appreciate a lot of what he does. I, I hate watching a lot of his movies. <laughs> um, uh, but I love Twin Peaks. Yeah. I love Twin Peaks up until the last episode, where it gets the most Lynchy. Yeah. Uh, and I hate that episode. In but, the Return or the original series. Uh, I haven't seen the new series, oh, the most okay. recent series. Yeah, I haven't watched that yet because I I rely solely on Hulu and Netflix. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so someday I'll watch them, but yeah, I, I don't have the ability. So the original series, uh, the last episode, I hated. Well, I'm sorry. Well, it's relevant to this episode because there's a subplot, basically, with there's certain characters that um, believe in a, a mass conspiracy. So, yeah. Oh yeah. It's relevant to this episode, so hey, go, go. Any any chance to plug a TV show I love? Go watch Twin Peaks. Go watch Twin Peaks. All right. So here are some of my conspiracy conspiracy theories, and I want you to tell me if you think that. Uh, tell me which one I made up. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, Britney Spears was enlisted by George W. Bush to have a meltdown in order to distract from his political failings. Oh, it has the ring of truth about it. That idea that um, pop culture icons can be bought out in order to manipulate the public, the government having some kind of control over that. Yeah, I'm going to go with it's a real conspiracy theory. You are absolutely correct. Yeah, and I got I got details, too, if you want to hear them. Not as many as the last one, I promise. It's not a big, long-winded thing. No, yeah, go. Yeah? All right. January 5th, 2004. A year earlier, a Bush crony blew the cover of CIA agent Valerie Plume. The fallout from Plume... Uh, Plame. The fallout from Plamegate led to the indictment of Scooter Libby, a top-tier Bush official, an inspiration for Matthew Broderick's character on 30 Rock. A week before United States versus Libby was to start, Brittany marries childhood friend Jason Alexander in Las Vegas. 55 hours later, the marriage is annulled. April 2006, Bush's approval rating is at an all-time low, 38%. Brittany is seen driving with infant Sean Preston on her lap rather than in a car seat. Later, child welfare officials and the sheriff's department investigate a story that Sean was injured in a fall from his high chair. People stop talking about Bush and start focusing on infant lap protocol. (laughs) (laughs) November 6, 2006, the day before a midterm election in which Republicans could potentially lose 33 Senate seats and 435 House seats, Spears announces her split from Kevin Federline. A nation reels. Oh, now when is it going to go next? February 2007, Bush announces the reformation of Al-Qaeda. You had one job, Bush! That same night, Brittany sneaks out of rehab, shaves her head, and attacks a paparazzi van with an umbrella. Knowing look. All right. March 14, 2007, Attorney General Alberto Gonzalez admits that mistakes were made in the firing of eight U.S. attorneys who didn't seem loyal enough to Bush. That same day, a story is leaked about Brit's dalliance and rehab with some musician. Once again, nation reels. And after that, after Bush is no longer president, Britney drama dries up. 2008, no more Britney drama. Just saying. I'm just, I'm, I'm convinced. Right. 
Yeah, there's there's no way that there could just be two lives going on at the same time. <laughs> but it's convenient. So convenient. I'm convinced. Yeah. <laughs> I always knew Brittany was smarter than she seemed. Right? She's she was she was paid a good chunk of money. I actually see her in my store uh, occasionally. Oh really? She's, she's actually really sweet. My favorite is when she comes in with no makeup, mm-hmm. uh, like a sweater and reeking of cigarettes. It's like my perfect version of Britney Spears. Does she live around? Uh, yeah, here? she lives I think in Westlake, something like that. But yeah, I love it. She's great <laughs> and very nice. Oh. Anyway, all right, next one. Coca-Cola, who once used cocaine in their soda, reintroduced it to their soda formula formula after the failing of New Coke in 1985. Okay, so I know that the New Coke um, introduction itself is a conspiracy theory because people believe that New Coke was brought out specifically to fail so that people would then demand classic Coke to come back and therefore they would um, um, increase their sales again because they were failing, they were they were losing to Pepsi. Mm-hmm. Um, and also a part of that conspiracy is that they were using that time when New Coke was on the shelves to reformulate their... Um, uh, reformulate their uh, ingredients so they were going from using sugar to using high fructose corn syrup and they believed that having the uh, new coke in the middle would stop people from noticing Um, and all of that's been debunked by the fact that the coca-cola people themselves said that they were already using high high fructose corn syrup in it before new coke was introduced there's lots of stuff like that the new coke conspiracy theory is quite funny however i have not i in my readings of the new coke conspiracy i did not come across the fact that they reintroduced cocaine to the um um the, the reintroduced cocaine to it after what I read was that there were illegal drugs in it already and that they needed to quickly um, introduce a new flavor that didn't have the drugs in it. And then they could go back to having the drugs in it because the they were going to be tested during the period when New Coke was out or something like that. So it's not about that they reintroduced cocaine after the fact. It was that the drugs are all, were in it before and are still in it. So I think that's the one you might have made up. That is the one I made up. Yes. God damn it. <laughs> Jesus. But it was rooted in just enough of the actual conspiracy theory to get me to think, did I just miss a bit? Yeah. Damn, I thought it was so clever. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, people can't see that, but I was uh, doing the whole collar flicking and, and you know, yeah. God damn it. <laughs> <sighs> All right, fine. So that's me. I'm out of conspiracy theories. <laughs> um, yeah, conspiracy theories. Woo! <laughs> Are we coming to an end now, Melanie? I think we're wrapping it up, love. I don't know what else we can go on about. Yeah, that's fine. I'm hungry and I'm going to go make food. So I'm quite happy to to wrap it up. Um, Could you tell our wonderful listeners where they can get a hold of us and uh, where they can find us? All right, you guys. 
Did you learn anything new? Please <laughs> let us know. If you have any conspiracy theories that you would like us to discuss in a mini-sode, I'd love to do it. I may end up with like a slew of conspiracy theory mini-sodes going on. Uh, so please contribute. We'd love that. If you have any ideas for future topics, give me your conspiracy theories. If you just want to tell us that we're pretty, you can hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Zombie Fishbowl or Zombie Fishbowl Podcast. We are a little bit we're easy enough to find. Also, you can send us an email at zombiefishbowlpodcast at gmail.com. Please do so. Once again, we would also love your reviews, your subscriptions, your hearts, your souls, your social security numbers. So thank you. Yes, please. And <laughs> as always, it's been a pleasure. And I hope that you enjoyed what you heard and that we didn't offend you. Unless you're an anti-vaxxer, in which case you can fuck right up. Melanie, do you have a quote? I do have a quote. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. From Dune, you're welcome. Fabulous. That's fabulous. Dune quote! Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> There's actually a lot of science fiction that's relevant, obviously. I mean, science fiction, science, science fiction, conspiracy theory, sorry, conspiracy theory, science fiction is in itself a genre. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, we could go on for hours about science fiction that's taken um, conspiracy theories literally and created worlds out of it. So, I mean, amazing. So, Anyway, that's pretty much it for today. Except, oh, shiza, I need to pick a topic. You need to pick us a topic. While she's setting up her topic picking <laughs> thingy, um, I also wanted to mention that uh, since we are all going to be homebound for the foreseeable future, um, really, if you want more minisodes, let us know. We will probably be able to put together a few more minisodes um, just because we'll both just have so much time off. Um, and if she can't join me again, I'll do them myself. And if you haven't listened to previous episodes, please do do so. Now is the perfect time. What else are you going to do? Seriously. Come on. Random topic picker. Random topic picker. It is a random topic picker and it's going to pick a topic. Topic. The topic for next time is time travel. Nice. Time travel. Yeah, so that's the next topic. All right. Uh, you've got that to look forward to <laughs> in the future. In the future. Which, Danielle, you are always in my future, and I think that is hysterical. Yes, I am currently entering into night whilst you are entering into lunchtime. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, every time I talk to you, I think about it like, you are in my future. What's happened in the next eight hours? <laughs> I will not tell you. We have to promise not to tell. <laughs> You've made a pact. <laughs> All right, everyone, little fishies, have a lovely fortnight. If we have a chance to put up some mini swords, we will do. And I hope you're all okay and that uh, this all calms the fuck down at some point. Stop ball crying. Yeah. 
Or I know that our listeners aren't so silly, so we'll be okay. Yeah, but at the same time, let's just put that message out there. Don't panic by. Take a deep breath. If you start getting overwhelmed, remember you're breathing. You can always go back to like roughly 10 minutes into any episode and take a deep breath with us. Mm -hmm. Um, We welcome it. We appreciate it. And uh, seriously, it's going to be okay. Just keep your wits about you. Don't panic. I was going to say, as always, Melanie and everybody else, don't panic. (laughs) I'm fine. We're fine. Yes, everything's fine. (sighs) Bye.